This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn has marketing tools to help you target your customers with precision. To redeem a $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. Walker Corporate Law. Specializing in the representation of entrepreneurs. Visit walkercorporatelaw.com. And Captera the leading free online resource to find your best software solutions. Visit captera.com slash twist for free to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Okay, now it's time to close your laptops and let's do the work. Okay, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? So great. Urban Innovation Fund, tell everybody what you do. Hey everyone, my name is Julie. I'm one of the co-founders and managing partners of the Urban Innovation Fund. We are a VC firm investing in startups shaping the future of cities. So we'll invest in areas like transportation, real estate technology, the future of work, all with the goal of growing and scaling to many cities in the US and hopefully beyond. Um, we are a team, my co-founder Clara and I are the two managing partners, so we are 100% female owned and run, and um, really excited to see you all here today. Thanks so much for being here. And I'm Jason Calacanis, our company is 75% female, sorry, we're trying, <laughs> just still have DeMont in a leadership position. Don't worry, DeMont, we're part of the dying breed, the last white men in Silicon Valley. Feels like that. I feel so beaten down. <laughs> LPs just throw their money at me. Here, Jason, take this money and multiply it. It's brutal. You have the same experience, right? When you totally. go to the LPs, they're just like, here, here's a mountain of cash, go. Yeah, yeah. they love so. funding women. <laughs> it feels like it's changing. And um, let's give it up one more time for the person who has been driving the change in our organization, Emmy award-winning producer, Jackie, there she is, Woo! give it up. One time. And there's some AV guys here doing some stuff, but don't give them any applause. I'm gonna try to. Okay, but this lady's got two devices out, and we're just gonna all look at her. You gotta turn, you gotta close that laptop. You weren't here for my being present speech. I see we your flashlight on, young man. Yeah, turn that off. You know you have your flashlight on too. Okay, we practice being present here, which means all laptops are closed and in your bag. And in your bag. I'm watching you with that rose gold. I see you. I see that rose gold. I got the same one. I got the same one. They're like, do you want to wait two weeks to have rose gold? I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's what it's come to. All right. We're going to have three companies come up. Do you guys all agree to take the red pill, right? No blue pill? You guys want me to sugarcoat it? Or do you want the candid truth? Okay. Okay. Any snowflakes who want the blue pill? Okay. No collusion, Robert Mueller. I hope we investigate the other side. Okay. Sorry. Good morning. I, know, it's just, I do it to my wife, and she's just randomly. Can you imagine while you're brushing your teeth? Times of Maine, horrible. Okay. I only use Crest. Times of Maine is for losers. Trigger warning. Tom was a tremendous loser. <laughs> I know, going after Tom's a man is really, that's a whole new level of low, even for Trump. Okay, who's first? Let's go. Come on up. All right, you know, the, we're going to do a two-minute pitch. We yep. write down what we think. Three of them go in a row, and then we give them collective feedback, and then yep. we're going to rank them one, two, three, uh, and crush their souls. Okay, two minutes on the clock. Tell us your name. My name is Atenea. Atina. Athena. We can go with Athena. Athena. Yes. That's my daughter's middle name. Really? The Greek god of war and, and wisdom. Victory. And wisdom, too. Yeah. Yes. High expectations from our parents. And? <laughs> yes. Also, Athena, uh, the city of Athens named after Athena, right? Maybe the first time some people putting that together. Athena of Athens? Yes. Because she spiked the ground and fresh water came out of it. You know the story? Yes. Poseidon said, I will save the town of Athens from mm -hmm. the drought. And he brought in a wave. And everybody's like, oh my God, Poseidon will be our, we'll name the city after Poseidon. And then they were like, this is fucking salt water. He's just going to kill the crops. And then Athena came and went, Kr -r 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 -r. boom. Let me show you how it's done. Okay. 
No pressure, Athena. Three, two, Hello. go. Hello, my name is Athena from Inspiring Fitness, and this is not another workout app. Um, we have been in the business for 16 years. I started as an athlete, later as a coach, and now as an entrepreneur. We have the largest online fitness coaching platform in Mexico. And our uh, successful personal coaching program is it's a subscription-based monthly customized fitness plan with human touch of one-on-one -on -one check-ins in a very supportive community. Okay, but how do you scale this? So we do this by, with, by using our expertise to train trainers. Uh, first in Mexico and later in Latin America. So this is Carmen, she's actually my client. She had a great fitness transformation, she lost over 100 pounds, and now she became naturally her go-to fitness advisor in her immediate circle. So she came to me because she wants to know how to make money from that. So this is where we come in. First, we're gonna give her a professional education and certify her as a professional coach. And then we're gonna give her the tools to manage her clients and her business with our coaching software. These are our three revenue streams, our personal coaching, which is what we're doing now, our professional education, that's, uh, we're running a pilot on that one, and our coaching software, which is a SaaS model that we are hoping to get money for. Uh, with our personal coaching, we have a 30% growth in annual revenue and um, MRR of 10K. This is our social media presence. We have a net promoter uh, score of 98. And if it, even if just 0.3% of our community, which is very doable, become coaches, and they have five clients per month, we will be at $3 million of annual revenue. Uh, we have to do this now because fitness is a super hot market, because Mexico follows trends uh, of the US, and because women are starting more, more businesses than ever. Uh, we are unique in our kind that is focusing on women and in Spanish. All right, let's give it up for Athena. Big round of applause. Oh Next up, I got a lot of notes on that one. Just take notes. Yeah. It's going to be great. That was really well done. I'm excited. Okay, here we go. All right. Tell us your name. Hello, Maria oh, from hey. Bravo. Okay, <laughs> three, two, go. Hi, I'm Maria, and I am excited to present Bravo, empowering you to share your money, not your data, when you want to tip or pay someone. And Bravo works in a simple way. You find a person by proximity, so the nearest one shows at the top, but if they're not near you, you go to the search tab and you search them by display name, Bravo code, or employer name. At the end of the transaction, you can leave an optional rating or comment. So as you can see, with Bravo, I don't need to be your friend in order to pay you, and I don't need to exchange my personal information to complete the transaction. We exist to financially empower anyone who works for cash payments and tips, such as musicians, content creators, service industry workers, and micro merchants. And think about how many times Bravo can come handy when you want to tip your valet attendant, for example, and you do not have cash. The alternative to that is to having to go to an ATM and say sorry or say sorry, I don't get you this time. But that is especially painful for the people on the receiving side. And I know that because of my own mother's story. She used to make a living working in the service industry. So we presented our minimum viable product at TechCrunch Disrupt in San Francisco, and we won the Audience Choice Award. And our beta was presented in Shark Tank, and we got an offer from Mark Cuban and Lori Grenier. But our best accolades are our happy customers that recommend Bravo to other customers. We are scaling and we're growing fast. And the reason for that is our amazing team and our execution. And we're bootstrapped. We haven't invested in marketing yet. This is pure network effect. And um, the model, the how we make money is a 2% that is paid by the tipper. And in our next versions, we're adding up other monetization routes. All so right, let's give it up for Maria from Bravo. 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 When you advertise on LinkedIn, you get to build a long-term relationship with the most important people in the world. All of these customers of yours are sitting there on LinkedIn 
waiting for you to connect with them. So you're going to get these very high quality leads. You're going to get great website traffic and higher brand awareness. The first step is talking to the right audience. And every day, 500 million professionals engage on LinkedIn. These are also known as your future customers. Think about that. A half billion people. And LinkedIn has marketing tools for you to target your customers with precision. I'm talking about the job title, the company name, and the industry. This lets you create a much better message that your customers care about. And LinkedIn's the only place you can do this. And of course, if you're targeting the ads properly, this is going to lead to more trust with your customers. Four out of five customers on LinkedIn are decision makers at their company. You know this because you're a decision maker and you're on LinkedIn. So you're building relationships with the people that really matter. Here we are. Presh created this amazing lead form for us. The goal was to get more people interested in advertising on This Week in Startups. That's pretty meta, right? Well, we looked for specific things like people's email, company name, phone, job title, and industries. And if we know we want the CMO or the chief marketing officer or somebody with podcasting in their title um, or experimental marketing, whatever it is, we can go find them. So when building a campaign, we're able to target those exact positions, and we know our ads are not wasted. Okay, just go to LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups equals a hundy, a hundred dollars. Terms and conditions apply, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. If you're not advertising on LinkedIn, you are missing out on the most powerful ad network for businesses. It's just extraordinary. And you know that because... You're on LinkedIn every day. That product gets better and better. Every week, the product gets better. And LinkedIn marketing is amazing. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups. Thanks again to the LinkedIn team. You've been so supportive of this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Let's get back to this amazing guest. All right. This is a strong start here. Oof. Oof. Nice curation, Jackie. Hi, I'm Darcy Berner with Button Smith. Okay. Three um, minutes on the clock. Three to go Darcy. I want personalization to be as easy as buying something off the shelf. How many of you have a corporate logo? Please raise your hand. How many of you have an Amazon Prime account? Please raise your hand. We want to make it so that all you have to do to get customized merchandise is click, customize, buy, and have it in your hands two days later. That's what we're building. Um, right now, that process, for any of you who have tried to get customized merchandise, takes weeks. We've automated essentially all of the labor-intensive processes in the middle. So we typically ship within a single-digit number of minutes of the order coming in and have it in people's hands two days later. Um, our software platform automates the pieces between the channels like Amazon or Shopify and the uh, wholesale printers or promotional products manufacturers at the back end who then receive from us uh, machine-ready files that allow them to go straight to production rather than having to interact with layers and layers of distributors and suppliers. Um, it's an enormous market. Even if we look at only what people are spending on personalized stuff right now, it's about $200 billion a year in the US and growing. Even if we just look at the promotional products piece, it's about $24 billion a year and growing. And that's not, that's not even accounting for the fact that you could personalize basically anything that you buy. Um, we uh, have about a million and a half dollars in revenue and it's accelerating. The platform is working. We have our first two channels live and working, uh, Amazon and Shopify. And we have our first two outside partners uh, already producing for us. Um, here's our roadmap looking ahead. The key drivers are how many product form factors can we offer, how much channel reach do we have, and how many production partners do we bring online. So we're looking for investment to accelerate our growth rate. We've been doubling year over year organically, and we are looking to increase that. Uh, and our team is awesome, including the child genius in the Harvard dropout. All right, well done. Big round of applause. All right, let's bring everybody up. Um, one question for each of the founders. One question? Yeah, maybe your best question. Or you can give feedback. General, okay. general feedback on the presentation or the company, the idea. Okay. Um, for Athena, uh, for Inspiring Fitness, um, my question is, so it looks like you guys started in 2013, at least according to one of the graphs. Tell us a little bit about the progression of the company. Um, I started by myself. It was just like a lifestyle business. I wanted to be able to work remotely and travel. And then at some point, I realized that it was a good business. So there was a lot of traction for it. I bit more that I could chew. That's where you see like a uh, low. I started making promotions and got a lot of clients. 
lost some because I had to hire somebody else that I didn't train myself and just we lost some clients. We, we recuperated most of them. And at some point I realized that just that business, the personal coaching wasn't uh, scalable at all. It was very high touch. So I needed to go to the next step and, and just had the capacity and the expertise to train trainers and to create a software for them. Got it, thank you. Um, it was a great presentation. I took a bunch of notes. Um, just to give people, oh, it's always easier to go the second day because you hear some of the critiques in the first day. So, um, but it's a subscription-based business, which is yes. great. We love subscription-based businesses. We had awesome success being the first investors in a company called Calm.com, and then we have Fitbod, which is doing cross fitness. That's doing insane. Uh, we have Tone Base doing classical music. We have Steezy doing hip hop dance, and they're going to go into other forms of dance. And we have Brilliant.org, which is doing math subscriptions. Uh, so we have five subscription-based companies. We believe in it in a major way. Um, you're doing things that don't scale, but that's okay in the beginning because you can productize it, productize it later. Um, Fifty dollars a month uh, is an amazing value to the customer and an amazing price for you. Like having somebody pay fifty dollars a month for a personal coach. Um, I thought it was really interesting. And it sounds like you're doing more than just fitness. You're also doing life coaching. Did, am I correct in that? No, um, it's, it is online fitness coaching. Just the, the one-on-one, it's video calls. We have um, that. Um, but it, is, is that call, here's how to hold the dumbbell or the kettlebell, or is it you can do it? Uh, I believe in you. Yeah, we just yeah, give you them fell the off the program. wagon, but let's get back on it. Yeah, yeah. We just give them the program, like a nutrition program and a uh, workout routine that they follow at home. Got it. But when people are actually on the call. Okay. It's just, yeah, like, how are you doing? What do you want to change? How are your results? We don't show them, like, any technical parts. We have a, a videos for that. Got it. I'm just curious of the nature of it. Do the conversations become, like, friendships and support? Yes. Or is it more technical and tactical how to lift the weights? It's 100% accountability and motivation. Got it. Yeah, see, I think that's kind of interesting. It kind of opens you up to being a little bit more than just, you know, weight loss or fitness. Um, and 10K MRR, you can't uh, deny that. And you have an MPS of 98, which is a, so ridiculously high that it would make one wonder. Like, So you got to be careful when you, it's great that you're tracking MPS, but we would immediately discount it because we're like, okay, you asked like five of your friends and you know to score it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I believe it's real, yeah. but usually in the beginning when it's that high, it becomes unbelievable that mm -hmm. you are giving more satisfaction than a Tesla and a uh, an iPhone, but it's possible. <laughs> um, so I really liked your presentation. It checked off a lot of boxes for okay. me. Where it fell short for me um, was you're pursuing three different models. Mm -hmm. And I think you got to figure out which one is the one that scales because you're resource constrained as a startup. Mm -hmm. Unless, are you rich? You have a trust fund? No. Okay. So um, I always ask like one out of 20 times. Someone's like, yeah, I do actually have a trust fund. <laughs> yes, it's maturing in 18 months and I'll not need to meet with you ever again. Um, so I think picking one, and the one I like best for you is the, what I'll say is sort of the Etsy, eBay, uh, meta kind of position or Airbnb host where you're making that woman, Carmen, I think her name was, where you're making Carmen an uh, entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You're making her an entrepreneur. You're helping her build her business. So mm -hmm. she pays you 500 a month, 6,000 a year. Um, for up to 50 clients on the platform mm -hmm. and you give her the first three months, you know, at a discount to ramp up and whatever, and you train her and like, that's kind of cool. It's like, I guess the negative spin on it would be like, what's the makeup one that they make fun of all the time that people drive the pink Cadillacs. Thank you. Like that would be like the MLM version of it, which people would deride. Mm -hmm. But actually there's actually something there, uh, which is, People want to be entrepreneurs, and yeah. you you really have tapped into something. Let's go to uh, Maria from Bravo. Um, you want to go? And what did you think of it? And yeah, questions. Um, it was a great presentation, and I I think it's hard to do justice to a company in two minutes. Um, the thing that. I was curious for me was I'd love to hear a little bit more about your traction. You had some interesting stats up there, but what you talked to was really the fact that customers love you. So would love to hear a little bit more about where that traction comes from. I think it said you've processed 6 million on the platform. So, you know, over what period of time um, were you taking the transaction fee from that, et cetera? Yeah, we decided to bootstrap the company and uh, has been 
you know, has its positives and negatives. And because we have been bootstrapped, we uh, went through a very long customer discovery phase that is paying off now in terms of loyalty and the way we have been able to um, grow pretty much with not much investment in marketing. What we have done in marketing is testing different tactics. So now that we will open up for um, for a raise, we know exactly which tactics provide us the, the biggest growth. So in terms of, um, of growth, to give you an example, uh, since we've been focusing there, uh, this quarter we tripled the the revenue from uh, when we compared to the previous quarter and quarter fourth. Um, and that it's still being bootstrapped, not buying ads. The only ads we have bought are just to test the different uh, media. Mm -hmm. And where are you guys now in terms of revenue? Well, right now, uh, last uh, th this past quarter, we made $22,000. But remember, we are in phase one of our monetization plan. The phase two, which includes um, three um, phases, the first phase is we're gonna be opening up to be featured by geolocation, if you're a content creator or a musician. Um, the other phase is providing the opportunity for the fan base to support those musicians and content creators financially, and then we're opening up our API. Okay. Um, the pr anything else you wanna add? No, um, I really thought, uh, well, I wanna make one note. Don't be apologetic about modest performance. We have this problem inside of our accelerator. All startups start with one customer. If you have 20,000, you're way down the line. You should be coming in and just like, like and just fucking shoot a hole in the ceiling. Yeah. And be like, I'm here. Yeah. Poof. Well, that's like, how I kind of like started. No, and, but it was both of you, Athena, too. Like, you're... I, I find that sometimes founders, we have it in our accelerator, when they answer questions, they answer them as if they're ashamed of their like modest early stage performance. Like we all get it. Year one is brutal and it's hard and there's pivots. Don't apologize. If Trump has taught us anything, <laughs> never apologize for anything and you will be rewarded. This is the perverse society we live in today. Embrace it, don't fight it. Um, Proximity is scary. Anybody who created a proximity-based tool wound up regretting it. Uh, and anonymity plus proximity, proximity plus children, it's like, it's got all these horrible connotations with it. It's very scary, but yours isn't. And I thought that was like really interesting to me. It was the most interesting part of it is that I could open up this app and if there were, it was like Patreon for the real world. Like you open it up and if there were 10 artists showing their, I just walked through Union Square and there were like 20 artists with their art out and they were selling pieces, but it'd be kind of nice to walk around and see all the artists in the phone and the person playing sax and just be like, yeah, I'll give them a dollar, fuck it, um, and join the mailing list. I'm gonna give a couple other pieces of feedback. Um, the soft metrics um, are one I would be very careful with. So it's nice that you were on Shark Tank, it's nice that you were on, you know, got on stage for this drop and you won the awards, just be careful that the percentage of your presentation around the soft metrics was, I think if you go back and look at this video, equal or maybe more than the actual hard metrics. We're gonna make a decision on hard metrics. We don't give a fuck what happened at TechCrunch Disrupt or Shark Tank. That's all nonsense to people like us. We do real work. That's <laughs> pretend, right? Like, well, hold on, okay. just just take the advice. Okay, um, <laughs> for now. Uh, so anyway, no, 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 just wait, just wait, wait. <laughs> um, but, uh, the 20,000 also look like a cumulative chart for the downloads, and then you say you had 22 in revenue. Whenever you do any kind of math and you bring up numbers, be prepared to defend the math and do the math. So there were two things that I didn't understand. You said 20,000 users. I'm gonna ask you no. a very specific question. 150,000. I didn't, I didn't even ask the question yet. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's revenue or users, but the 20,000 users, is that a cumulative downloads of the app, that no. chart? It looked like a cumulative chart to me. The 20,000 was not uh, users. It was 150,000 cumulative users um, in the app. Okay, so you have had 150,000 app downloads. Correct. What was that 20,000 chart then? That was revenue or something? I don't remember how Okay, um, so you have 150,000 downloads uh, and you had 22,000 in revenue in Q1. Is the 22,000 in revenue the top line revenue of which you get 2%? which would be $400, or is it the 2% and you actually made 
50 times $22,000 a million dollars. Yes, it was a, a million dollars that we processed and we got okay, the 2%. Wow. Yeah. So we didn't know that. Yeah. It changes everything. And we assumed it was 22 and you made $400. So again, back to the, like, the if you've got the nuts, like, anybody play cards? Like, when you have pocket aces, thank you, like, it's very bad form to slowly turn them over. It's called a slow roll in poker. It's like the worst offense you could make. I do it all the time for fun. Um, <laughs> but when you know you have the best hand, just turn it over. For God's sake, just be like, it's we, we did a million dollars in the first quarter. We made 22000 in 2% fees. Boom. Okay, let's move on to the next person. Uh, Darcy with Button Smith. Sorry, can I just add one last thing? Yes. So this is exactly why I asked you for clarification on the traction. And instead of actually reiterating this traction or at least explicitly saying it, you went into a marketing thing. Just really bluntly say your traction because it's really good. Yeah. We train people in our accelerator. We videotape those robotic cameras I invested in. Um, like we literally, this would be the front row at the accelerator is like seven world-class investors. We record them. Then we take video of you answering the questions and we cut it and we give you a video over the weekend and a transcript of your questions being you answering the questions and you watch the reaction to the investors at, in real time. So you see yourself answering the question, you see the reaction, and then you see somebody be like, you're answering the question, they're just like, Blackberry time, let me get through some Gmail, what's on Slack? And you're like, oh shit, I need to nail this. Always, here's the trick, be massively present Look them in the eyes, listen to the question deeply, tilt your head a little bit, do a little Bill Clinton. <laughs> and, okay, all right. You get that like going and then answer their fucking question as few words as possible. That's what I train people to do in the accelerator. DeMont and I look at their transcript and we put strike through everything and we just say, say it in as few words as possible. Walker Corporate Law is a boutique law firm that specializes in representing entrepreneurs and their startups, and they charge a fixed fee. So whatever you want to get done, you're not going to have that terrorizing PDF coming from your law firm, and you open it up and you wonder, is this the month that I get a huge legal bill? Nope. Scott Walker is going to tell you what you're going to pay, and he's got attorneys working with him and his partnership who have decades of experience. This is a boutique firm, and they specialize. What that means is flat rate pricing, no getches, gotchas, no surprises, and world-class decade, multi-decade attorneys who've done this and who are choosing to do it. And you can reach Scott Walker directly, the founder just like me. You can reach him directly. 415-979-9998. 415-979-9998. Scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Put Jason sent me in the subject line. Scott at Walker Corporate Law. Say Uncle Jason sent me. He knows who Uncle Jason is. And you can visit walkercorporatelaw.com. But go ahead, email Scott. He's a mensch. He takes care of the people I send to him. He is a great attorney. And he does a great job for founders. He's chosen the path of supporting early stage founders. And just like me, he operates right in that early stage, the first couple of years of a startup, to set them up for success. And he's great at what he does. Mergers and acquisitions, licensing arrangements, terms of service, privacy policies, all that stuff he can do for you. And he can do it at a great price with fixed fees. No surprises. So go ahead, 415-979-9998 or Scott at walkercorporatelaw.com. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Feedback for our third company. Yeah. Uh, Darcy, great presentation. I loved how animated you were. And then the 1.5 million in revenue really popped out to me. So congratulations on that. That's exciting. Um, you talked a little bit about the market size as being 200 billion. Um, when I think about putting corporate logos on keychains and things like that, I don't necessarily go quite there. Um, so would love to hear a little bit more about what the product actually does in the scope for, you know, how big you think it could be. So um, what we're doing is we're looking at sort of all of the forms of print. So print, promotional products, personalized gifts, and automating the processes between when the customer orders something and what the machines that actually make it need as inputs. Right now, that's an incredibly manual process with multiple layers of people working a 1950s business model in which you have distributors who talk to suppliers, who talk to other suppliers, who finally talk to the 
end producer and everybody takes a cut in that and we're disintermediating all of them so we can go directly from e-commerce through an automation system to the piece of equipment that's actually going to make it. Thank you. Sure. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the competitive landscape as a result. Um, so there are obviously other people doing print and promotional products. Um, companies like Zazzle and Vistaprint come readily to mind. Those are all cases in which the customer has to go find them uh, and attempt to figure out how to place the order. Um, and uh, what we're finding is that going to the customers instead on Amazon with a Prime badge so they have it in their hands in two days is huge. People don't want to wait three, four, five, six weeks. They don't want to go to somebody they've never heard. And this gets it to them uh, with a sort of level of immediate gratification that's really satisfying. Um, it is worth noting both Zazzle and Vistaprint have tried to sell on Amazon and failed. That two-day turnaround time is brutal, and our automation makes it possible. Okay. Uh, anything else? No, that was a great answer. Uh, okay, I want you to start thinking about your three, two, one. Um, <coughs> so it's Amazon Prime for Zazzle or Cafe Press. I think I get it. Does this mean you guys work twenty four hours a day over there? <laughs> and like, because I'm trying to figure out how it's possible to get a lanyard custom printed. Because I ask my people to do that, and they're like, "Oh, it takes eight weeks," <laughs> and I'm just like, "Really? Shouldn't that take like a week?" Well, so yeah, so. Um, What's happening in the old model is that you literally have multiple layers of people, yeah, human you're beings one company with phones, doing it. Yeah. And, and we're going straight to the end manufacturers with files that are ready to print. Um, Let's take the lanyard example, because yep. you're, you're talking at 30,000 feet, and we're sort of getting it, but I'm still not getting it. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I always tell people in their presentations is examples matter. You yep. use the lanyard, so let's use the lanyard. That's yep. a evocative one. So I want to put launch on a lanyard. Yep. I go on Amazon. Yep. I upload my logo. Yep. I order a thousand. I yep. hit check out and I buy it. Yep. Then what happens? So um, our software grabs the customization information from Amazon, um, transforms that transforms that information into the production file. Um, we do die sublimated lanyards because they're digital um, and it. fast. Yep. Um, and we hand the the, the print-ready file to a partner that we have in Rhode Island. Okay, so you've sourced a partner so who has the custom So we have a partner printer. who does, right? Yeah. And because we're giving them the file in the right form along with the shipping label. Got it. They, you take out the two or three things they could screw up. Yeah. I uh, got it. So you're sourcing people who have the customization, so you don't actually have to make the customization stuff. We, so we have some customization capability in-house in order to prototype, got right? It. But, but yes, we are sourcing other, other people have invested in the manufacturing equipment. Why should we? Got it. I like it. Okay. This is incredibly difficult. Uh, these were three great companies. My number one, um, I was able to pick pretty easily based on traction, but my number two and my number three was really, really difficult. Um, why don't you uh, tell us your number one? My number one was Bravo. Yeah, me too. And your number one reason for picking Bravo? I, I like the concept. I like the traction, even though we had to kind of really forcibly pull it out of there. Um, yeah. But I think that what they've done so far is impressive. Yeah. And this is where you can see why the what I call the soft metrics and the awards and the high fives, why you got them. It's an impressive business. So that's one of the things we're going to look at. Like, oh, you, you got some award, you got a high five, you know, one of these like, you know, participation trophies. How did that actually go down? Is it actually a reality? In this case, it is. Most of the time, I can tell you it's not. Most of the time, people just have like a, a page of logos of awards they've won from the Google startup program or the Microsoft startup program. And it, like, it means they got a ticket for free to go to an event. And it means nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, so don't ever include that nonsense in your deck. Shark Tank might be an exception. Uh, or winning the audience award is actually a good exception because that, so that. <laughs> yeah, that actually means something. Okay, now it gets really hard. And I'm going to just take you through my thinking without giving my vote. I was really... Darcy did a really good job answering the questions. Like her credibility yeah. just kept going up. Do you notice that? Yeah, and really concise, just like you like them. Yeah, she's really on point. Mm. But then Athena, <laughs> um, she had like too many business models, but there's something about that business model. I think it could be explosive, but she has less traction, but I think it's a more differentiated product. Mm. And this is why I'm trying to figure out, like differentiated 
But yeah. sometimes you bet on the founder. And what are you thinking? I think you both did an amazing Quiet, job. Are they kidding oh. you? Okay, great. I think you both did an incredible job, and I know it's hard to base it off of a two-minute pitch. I am going to give my number two to Darcy, uh, to Button, uh, Button Smith, rather. Sorry. Um, I think you did a really great job answering the questions. I agree. Your credibility kept going up. Athena, I think I could have given you the number two spot, but to be honest, my challenge was really figuring out what the new business model was that was going to be that explosive growth. Because I think it's okay you started as a lifestyle business and you know are trying to figure it out, but one of the questions I had about the 98 NPS score is, does that go away as you retrench back from a lot of the personalization that you were providing and provide more of just the technical layer, subscription-based type of model? So um, I think once you kind of hatch that out, it can be very compelling. Um, but right now, I think my number two will go to Darcy. Um, it's interesting. I, my original voting was going to follow yours, but I changed it, and I made Athena number two before you gave your votes. Mm -hmm. And Darcy number three, I'll tell you, take you through my thinking. I would need to see Darcy's performance over time to believe this is a defensible business that can get to $100 million with massive re You'd have to get to like $500 million because the margin is going to be much less than a software product. So, and I, I think it's going to be hard to differentiate, but I do find you incredibly convincing and a great leader and a great communicator. I think you're going to win no matter what you do in life. And, or you probably already have. So, you know, I always like to bet on the person. And this business I don't like, but I think you're great. So it's, it's creating a little dissonance for me. But Athena, I love your one of the three businesses you presented, which is creating those Etsy sellers, Patreon content creators, and empowering, you know, a thousand fitness uh, coaches to, to bloom and giving them the tools to do it and taking a piece of the action, you know, 20% or whatever. Um, it is worth noting that be super self-aware of numbers you put up. The 98 NPS actually kind of worked against you here because we didn't believe it, right? So you're in, we're all in this credibility competition. If you have that 98, you should know that we know that Tesla's an 86 and the iPhone's a 62 and we put our companies against that and we'd be just like, well, this doesn't make any sense, right? It's just too high. It's too small of a sample size. So, um, and then I think your CAC, you had like a really high like LTV to CAC, which when you show unrealistic LTV to CAC and really low customer acquisition cost and incredibly high lifetime value and it beats every product in market, we just think, that's not going to scale. It's not realistic. Uh, and so it might drive credibility down a little bit because we would say, well, if that was so great, if your customers were so easily available, why didn't you just take them over the last five years, right? So just be self-aware of that stuff. But boy, was this an incredible cohort. Let's give them a big round of applause. This is awesome. Thank you, guys. I mean, wow. I feel like I want all three of these founders in the accelerator. You got to spend a little time with DeMont. Wow. Really good stuff. I want you to take some time to replace all that janky, horrible software that is super frustrating. I want you to do it at Capterra. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A. Go to capterra.com slash twist today to get all of the tools you need at like a Yelp-like service where there's all these amazing reviews of what software will solve your problems in business. There are 750,000 reviews from real software users at Capterra, and they do this in 700 specific categories, whether it's sales tools or CRM, whatever you need, and they will value those products based upon categories like how easy is it to use, customer support, features and functionality, value for money. We recently found a really cool piece of software called Pipedrive that we love, that we integrated into our Slack rooms, and it worked amazing uh, because we wanted to get sales automation going so we'd sell more ads. You know how it works. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go read some of those amazing reviews and check out those categories. And it's free. It's free for you to use. Go to capterra.com slash twist and find the tools that'll let you make an informed software decision. Software is eating the world. Software is how all these startups have a huge advantage against the big companies. And Capterra is where you want to start to make the selection of software simple and to make sure you don't make mistakes. So once again, Capterra, C-A-P, T-E-R-R-A dot com slash twist. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Okay, Ellie, here we go. 
three, two minutes on the clock, three, two, go. All right. So we make batteries for electric cars and other big applications. So, and uh, the story here is that what we need to do is not to make better batteries, better chemistry, but just manage them better. Think about a fleet of electric buses, for example. So we make a solution that allows you to have a battery pack in each bus that is just big enough for the daily routes, not more than that. Same thing for charging downtime. <clears throat> so we don't like expensive things waiting to charge, ambulances, airplanes, things like that. So we take care of that as well. We also kill single points of failure. So we make battery packs that are extremely reliable, extremely robust and fault tolerant. And we do this by making big batteries with thousands of small egg-shaped cells that we throw together in a container. They figure out amongst themselves how to work together as a mesh network, as a big battery pack. They handle as a liquid, which means that you can remove cells, add cells as needed, charge them off-board if that's important. So the story here is that what we actually do is that we apply the logic of the internet on the battery. So they work together as a network, essentially like a bunch of routers or a bunch of smartphones uh, together. We do here something that has not been done enough, is we apply data science, uh, logic, asset management uh, principles on the physical world, on battery packs. Uh, our business model is essentially a combination of being a wireless provider, a clearinghouse, and an IP licensing uh, firm. So we can go more in detail later if that's interesting. And uh, this is our passion because we're a bunch of internet nerds that have come together to fix a problem in the physical space. So we really see that, you know, doing things that have been done for the internet, applying them on things that already exist, allows for drastic efficiency improvements. And that's essentially our story. Um, we are in post-revenue. We have had about a half a million of revenue per quarter for the last two quarters. We've raised uh, $2.4 million in seed funding. And uh, we're going into our A round very soon now. That's basically our story. We hope to hear what you think. Okay, well done. Big round of applause. Okay, next up. Tell us your name. Catherine Berman. Catherine of C-Note. Three, two, go. Great. Hi there. My name is Catherine Berman, and I'm co-founder of C-Note. Prior to C-Note, I was managing director at Charles Schwab, and there I worked with dozens of hardworking financial advisors like Pam. The problem is Pam is now losing billion-dollar clients because she can't keep up with ESG demand. So what the heck is ESG demand? It's another way to say sustainable or socially responsible investing, and it is a $12 trillion market that's growing rapidly. The issue is there's not enough products out there, specifically fixed income products. And this is what we're building at CNOTE, a marketplace for the future of fixed income with competitive returns, diversification, and customizable social impact. The secret sauce here is technology. We've created four proprietary technologies, starting with our deep diligence. It takes the time to underwrite these fixed income products from over six months to less than six hours or less. The management team includes myself, uh, my co-founder who ran a $10 billion risk management function and our head of engineering, engineering um, who led his last tech team to acquisition. Three ways we make money. We charge a 1% platform fee, a 1% to 2% spread on all asset center management, and 3 to 5% because these fixed incomes are also Community Reinvestment Act eligible. Since January of last year, we've grown by over 240% with over 20 million in assets. And we're a B2B play. So we sell to large organizations, including foundations, wealth managers. Some of our key wins include MasterCard and Sierra Club. And this is just the beginning. Fixed income is a $40 trillion market. We're starting with a piece, which is the $120 billion community finance market. Creating the future of fixed income with alpha, ease, and impact. We are C-Note. Thank you. Next up. Hi, tell us your name. Hi, this is Jeran. Jeran. Yes. But with a C. So yes. it's pronounced like a J. J. Jeran. Okay. Three, two, go. Uh, so hi, everyone. This is Jeran. I have had an experience in marketing on imported items over 12 years. And our company, Pablo, is helping e-commerce sites sell cross borders with the help of travelers. So travelers earn money while carrying items. We make API connections uh, with e-commerce sites. We receive the orders automatically. And our product is very easy to use as, as a traveler. So we invoice uh, directly to the e-commerce site and get the money from the e-commerce side and pay to the traveler. So um, the traveler 
chooses the destination and selects the item that fit their luggage and sign up and mention us the travel dates and our algorithm matches them with the right products that are destination uh, heading to the destination. So as soon as we receive the uh, order, uh, the confirmation of the traveler, we uh, send them the item, they carry the item to the shopper's country and receive the money. So we are a nine-month-old company, and we have a 77% uh, successful delivery. Uh, we got um, $5,000 in four months as revenue, and we're doubling our travelers for the past two months and two e-commerce side agreements. We are raising 300K and 200 under variant, and we are looking to grow our e-commerce partners. So if you want to uh, sell your items cross borders, we are ready to do partnerships and grow together. And Jason, we ask you to be in our advisory board. We know that we can be, uh, we can make synergy with underground sellers, Zambuka, and any place. Thank you very much. Okay, well done. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. Ali, can you talk a little bit more about the value proposition for your products? So you talked a little bit about the data science infused into batteries, the real world. Um, what does that actually mean for how your batteries are being deployed? It basically means for a typical deployment, and you can take uh, any application, a taxi firm, a company that runs garbage trucks, whatever. So in a traditional dumb battery scenario, you would invest, let's say, in $5 million worth of batteries as part of the vehicles. With smart batteries, you can actually reduce the amount of lithium ion that you need and get away with, for example, $3 million in this case, with no change in operations or any range or any other requirements that you might have. Just more efficient use of existing assets. So that's the, that's the approach. So we do this initially through making solutions, end-to-end -end solutions. And as the market grows, we actually kind of break it down into components and work with other firms that actually already provide solutions for those markets. I had the same question, um, and it makes sense to me now. So if I had 20 garbage trucks, five of them were on long haul, five short haul, 10 in the middle, I wouldn't have to get long haul batteries for all of them. Exactly. And if the routes changed and I had five more long hauls, I could just order more of these balls. Exactly. That's battery exactly how balls. It yeah. Can I see them? Sure. Anytime you have a physical product, power move is to just hand one to yeah. each of the uh, folks. So there's a prototype or is this the real deal? No, they really work. Wow. Yeah. Um, so there's a battery in here. Yeah. Traditional battery chemistry. And they connect to each other. Yeah. And the energy is then released. That's correct. So they touch one another randomly on average at 11 what we call kissing points. And then an algorithm basically figures out how to have the positive, negative, positive, negative daisy chain ah. to work together as a big battery pack. A stupid question. The truck hits a bump and they all reconfigure and they bounce around. What mm -hmm. happens? Well, in uh, uh, an average application, you have an inflatable sack. Uh, which actually is pumped up when the battery pack is filled to, let's say, 50% capacity. So they don't uh -huh. bounce around very much. Got it. So it's more like a bag of sand than a bag of gold balls, for example. And if one of them goes bad, is the value proposition here that I can take out the bad batteries and reduce the weight of the vehicle as well? Uh, that depends on the application. Typically, it's just going to stay there until next maintenance interval, right? So if you go to put it through so the So dead socket, batteries are not like a, a pressing issue for... No, cars. not at all. And actually, the extreme resiliency is part of that. So it can kind of ride around uh, dead or underperforming cells. And can you move them from one vehicle to the other easily? And what, what is required to do that? Just you move them by hand? Yeah, it depends on the specific market. So we're working with a case in India where it's literally a guy with a bucket. Uh, so on their more... bucket tech. <laughs> yeah, we need to think about the branding to make it a little bit more appealing. But we also have a solution which we uh, make together with a German company that's a roboticized, something like an automated car wash sort of system. So huh. it sucks the cells out of the tank huh. and uh, analyzes them and replaces them. So it depends on the market. And Ellie, who are your customers now? Can you talk, walk us through a kind of case study? Yeah, actually, so uh, the vast majority of our revenue comes from defense firms. So we actually went out there selling the value proposition of efficiency. Uh, but it turned out that that was not what had most sticking power. It's, you know, uh, defense is interested in resiliency and extreme reliability. So they uh, tend to be the ones that actually uh, are going the fastest with us. Because a giant battery pack, if it fails, the entire battery fails. Whereas with these, if a couple of batteries fail, the, the network of nodes is resilient, like the internet. 
Right, exactly. So and that's the logic, right? So the self-healing principles that have been developed for the mobile networks, for the internet itself, why shouldn't they be applied to battery packs? And that's essentially what it does. That's so brilliant. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool. All right, now let's talk about fixed income. <laughs> no pressure. Everyone's favorite topic. <laughs> I've heard this pitch like a million times. Yeah. How is this different? You've heard the ESG fixed income pitch a million times? I've heard the, I'm going to create a social good index fund mm, that'll make it. you feel good about got putting it, your it. money to work and not on e-cigarettes or cigarettes yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. or boards of companies that are all white men. Yep, yeah. No offense um, to the four white men in the room. No, I think you're highlighting the problem, which is there's been tremendous um, work around public equities, right? And the vast majority, actually everything right now that you just described is in public equity. So you could chop public equities any which way if you want to say, I just want to invest with women from Argentina, right, who like to do social responsibility companies. You can do that. You cannot do that in fixed income. So the tool innovations we have is, number one, exclusively fixed income and cash. We don't touch public equities. So recognizing that that's a pretty green field. And then number two, what I love is really unlocking inaccessible. So there's one thing to say, okay, no one's doing the fixed income, cut and splice and using technology. We can do that. But I think what's even more interesting is trying to get at some of that fixed income that is so hard, starting with asset classes like CDFIs, which is where we started, community development financial institutions. Historically, so hard to access, no asset manager can do it at scale. Um, no wealth advisor firm can do it at scale, and we were able to do it. So Why? Because they're small and they're hard to find? Totally. Decentralized, yeah. no standardized information, What's lack the technology. What's size then for that? Uh, about $5 million. So they'll put in about $5 million, and then we'll make usually about hundred k off that. And then what is their total assets under management? If they're putting five with you, they have $500 million or $50 no, million? So these, it ranges, we mostly work with larger firms, so anywhere from $300 million to $1 billion firms at this point. Got it. And they'll chip off 1% for you or something. Starting, yeah, yeah. They start with kind of the toe dipping of like, let's just make sure this works, and then it progressively gets bigger. And they bigger. do that instead of putting it into a bond fund from Alliance Bernstein or something. Correct. So they literally are losing clients because the client's going, so what else you got in fixed income? And they have nothing. And so they're going like, I guess I can do a couple munis. And so we're filling a big need for them. God, fascinating. Catherine, nice to see you again. Um, so last time we chatted, sorry, I saw her pitch when it was about CDFIs. Can you talk about the evolution of what made you think, hey, I'm going to start with CDFIs, make that accessible for investment and kind of grow to this fixed income pitch? I think so much of it was learning. The more customer interviews we did with asset managers and banks, we realized a lot of things. I think we realized, number one, how hard it was for them to get to CDFIs. Number two, how big of a problem this was. Because we really started with the CRA department because we knew we could solve that compliance issue. But then they started inviting their asset, their wealth management department to all of these conversations. And I'm like, oh, wow. The, the wealth management side is a real fixed income issue. And so I think that's what we opened up and, real, and realized the tech could be much bigger than just one asset class so we could own this entire marketplace. And so, Got it. Thanks. Jaren. Yeah. Okay. You want to go first? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I have seen this pitch a couple of times in my life. The obvious answer that comes up all the time is like, what if somebody gives me an iPhone made out of fentanyl and I'm a drug mule? Um, I assume that you have an answer to that question and it's just like any other uh, drug mule issue that we all have to deal with when we're traveling. Um, I know there's a solution to it. So the, I guess the question I have is, is this actually necessary? Because you didn't give examples and examples matter so I'm looking at it going, yeah. I, is there something that I can't get? And I'm like, well, I'm an American living in San Francisco, so I can get anything at any time. Um, and so I'm trying to think about other countries and what they can't get. And then I was thinking about, well, if they can't get it in their country, is there some embargo issue or some technology transfer issue? So give us an example in order of the three most popular items that have been shipped in your pilot? Okay, thank you very much. It's a very good question because it uh, helps us to uh, explain our business model much better. 
Uh, we are not doing it a kind of peer-to-peer. -peer. So uh, people are not asking us to send items or receive items. So we are making directly the integration with the e-commerce side. So your first question, we are proving the, um, the safety and the originality of the items th uh, that is coming from the e-commerce side. So this is the first point. And um, what we do is we make the agreement with the e-commerce side and send well, their items. Right so the we, question I yeah, asked was, yeah, yeah. What were the top three items? Okay. I understand the business model. Okay. What are the top three items that have been shipped, um, and why is this important? Yeah. Okay, uh, Balenciaga shoes. Uh, with with one uh, e-commerce site, we send it from Istanbul to uh, Paris, and uh, we create arbitrage. That's from why Istanbul to Paris, not yes. Paris to Istanbul. So no. they can get these high-end <laughs> shoes in Istanbul, but not Paris. Uh, you can get them, but the idea is not to um, not about the availability, but creating the arbitrage and having the uh, um, oh, you mean it's cheaper it. in Istanbul? It is cheaper regarding ah, the custom. Okay, so now we're issues. starting to unpack it. So and designer shoes in Istanbul cost how much less than the same designer shoe in Paris? Uh, well, actually, uh, it was like 30% off in, uh, regarding that time, but it changes always. So it is what our e-commerce side uh, customer wants. We mm. are just carrying their items. So we okay. are not responsible What's with the What's the second items. best example? Uh, well, we are doing um, cosmetics and also electronics. Got it. Okay. Questions? Uh, I was going to ask the examples because I don't think, um, I think your presentation was exciting and you could tell that you're very excited and passionate, but I would definitely put that out there because I think I too had the same challenges, which was envisioning why I would want to use this platform. And if it is, hey, you're finding these great deals by arbitraging, that could be something compelling for everybody. Okay. One tip I'll give you and it's good for everybody here is, um, and we do it in our company launch. <laughs> If you are explaining the value proposition, that's not as powerful as your customers explaining it. So in our case, our customers are founders. So when we have somebody come to the accelerator, when they do the interviews, uh, which I think we're doing in a week or two, when we do the accelerator interviews, they meet first with alumni. And we have the alumni tell them about the program. Because when we tell them about the program, they're just like, well, you're just saying that because it's your program. But when the alumni tell them, this is incredible. I would totally do it again. I recommend it to all my friends. Here's what I got out of it. Then we believe it. So for you, in this case, I would do your presentation over and say, uh, and this is uh, um, a reseller in Istanbul. It's Susan's uh, Shoes. And Susan's Shoes has these out-of-stock shoes. And they charge less. And there's an arbitrage because uh, the, the euro is so powerful compared to Istanbul. So you can actually get these for 40% off. Meet Joanne, Joanne lives in Paris. She wants these shoes. She knows about this little hack. She can get three pairs of shoes for the price of two. So she is going to buy three pairs of shoes right now, get them delivered, and meet uh, Jason. Jason is a drug mule who wants to <laughs> uh, become white hat and not get arrested at the border. So he decides instead of bringing fentanyl into Paris, he's going to bring <laughs> shoes, another form of drug, a deadly, deadly drug. Um, <laughs> Anyway, that would make it so much more explainable because you're having the customers explain. You just like use a quote from them, and here's the trick for getting the quote. You say to your customers or your partners, can you give us a Yelp-like review of our service? And you just put that in your survey. So when you guys get a survey from us after Founding University, which I hope you will fill out, and if you don't, Jackie will just email you and harangue you. Um, it's one of her superpowers, haranguing. Uh, she will harangue you until you do fill it out, and then she makes us sit through all the answers and improve the product every time, uh, which is great. And one of the questions will be, write a Yelp-like review, correct? Then we give that to the marketing department. Then the marketing department, CMO Presh, and the Toronto team will make ads out of your Yelp reviews. So we don't try to sell people on Founder University. We have your Yelp reviews sell them. Like, oh my God, this is the most productive two days of my life. Like, that's a really good Yelp review. Somebody could write something like that. <laughs> Jason was hilarious and it was informative. Julie crushed it. I met so many great friends. Okay, let's do our three, two, one right now. Yeah. <laughs> you guys all did a great job. I, I hope that everyone feels that way because you all did. Um, they did. Yeah. Excellent job. So for my number one, I think this is actually really hard because you guys have such different businesses. So comparing the three of you is pretty challenging. Um, I think the slight edge will go to Ellie for me for Tank 2. And the reason for that is because 
I really, once we started pulling and pulling the value proposition, and especially with the traction that you've had $2 million in revenue with defense firms, uh, oh, 1 million? Okay, still good. <laughs> I think that it was impressive. You're clearly about to raise your Series A. I think you have a strong value prop that once communicated um, can be really powerful. And so I, I was pretty captivated by that. And then who's your number two? My number two is C-Note. Um, Catherine, it's great to see how much progress you guys have made. And um, I love the fact that you have 25 million in real paying customers. I think ESG is not a fad. We have an ESG portfolio company that works specifically in public equities. We think that it's a really powerful uh, motivator. And the fact that you've been able to sell into real institutions that are very hard in the sales cycle is impressive. Great. And I had the same ranking. Um... Ellie, I thought it's just like a very creative idea. What role do you have? Are you the founder? Are you the chief tech founder? Yeah. It's just such a really creative idea. And once you start realizing the value proposition, like I own a Tesla or four, and um, they have huge battery packs in them. And, you know, my daily commute's 100 miles, but I have a 340-mile battery in my Model 3, which is completely unnecessary and expensive, right? So I could probably get by with a third of a battery size, but I can't move the balls between my four Teslas. That was, that was a humble brag. Um, you know the problem when you have four Teslas and like you're just like, which one? Do I go orange, red, black? Which color do you pick? Um, it's a sick, sick addiction I have. I was like, I promise I will not buy the semi-truck. That's what I told my wife. She's like, you're not buying the next Roadster, are you? I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy the next Roadster, but I will not buy the semi-truck. Um, and the fixed income stuff and the do-gooder, like, feel good about where your money is going. Um, I'm a marauding capitalist. But I kind of dig it um, because I do think all these pools of capital uh, can be very powerful with where they move their money and how they move it. And the world needs a little more responsibility, I think, from the people who have big pools of capital to kind of do the right thing. So I think... 10 years ago, this idea would not work um, because people were like, but we're marauding capitalists. But now it's like, mm, if you're a marauding capitalist, like the, the guillotines are like, they're being built right now in Oakland. Like they're just, they're, they're bringing them across the bridge any moment now. I'm just like, it's a, it's a dark time for the 1%. Like uh, <laughs> the conspicuous consumption is just, the people, I mean, look at Bezos. Like, he is the richest guy in the world, and he hasn't figured out how to give his money away. I mean, it's not that difficult. And now he's become this huge target. Um, and they're just like, we don't want Amazon in Queens. Like, there's a moment happening right now where people are like, fuck you in your jobs. Like, why do you need to get a discount? Why do you, like, you know, people are upset at successful, rich, wealthy people. And I don't think it's like, I think it's a very real thing, and I think affluent people have to really get their heads around this idea that, like, they didn't get there alone. There was a little bit of luck involved. Sure, there was some hard work, but they're an outlier. And maybe if they all put their money with you and you then used your bat to be like, yeah, sorry, we can't give you any – we can't buy your stuff and put it into our portfolio mix because you have seven old white guys who were – defense secretaries on your board and maybe you could put one woman on the board or one person of color like this is how change happens right I, and that some of it happens through people like yelling at each other on twitter but not really to be honest like i think there's like it's a lot of noise on twitter but i think the power of the purse is where these things really change and i think it's your time pabler i don't i put you in third place but i do always think that even though something's been tried five or six times it doesn't mean the seventh person doesn't walk up to the door and it magically opens. You ever have like that pickle jar and like it goes around the table and it's like, well, this can never be opened. And then like a 12 year old walks up and she's like, boop. You're like, what happened? I, I loosened it for her. Like sometimes that is actually the reality. This like pickle jar syndrome is like really happens. YouTube, everybody's like, you want to put videos on the internet and you're not going to charge people to host them. So you're going to lose money. It used to be before YouTube, if you posted a video on the internet, the reward you got for getting users was a $5,000 bill from your hosting company who had your credit card, and then they would turn the video off, and then we'd all go to the video and be like, 
fuck Calacanis, the video's not working. And it'd be like, Jason Calacanis has not paid his hosting bill. This video's been turned off. Remember those days? And YouTube came out and they're like, we have a crazy idea for video. It's like, yeah, how are you gonna make money with that? And they're like, we're not. We're gonna put it up for free. And they knew that the timing, the why now of that was cloud computing and the falling, falling price of bandwidth and the falling price. So maybe there is some why now for you. Maybe it's mobile phones. Maybe it's currency differences. But you gotta figure that out. Um, and so since you're doing that triangulation, I call this like the triangulation kind of thing. A founder, Lisa's in the same sort of area. You know there's something there. The fitness company from Mexico, same thing. There, there's something there. You got two or three different models you're pursuing. Keep triangulating. Keep trying to find that signal. And the signal is the customers and their usage. So somebody is going to put 12 orders in in a month. And that's the person you got to go pick up the phone and go have coffee with and be like, hey, you ordered 12 times. What's going on? Like, oh, yeah, for my book club, I ordered these shoes for everybody because I got them as presents because people don't know I'm getting 60% off because of the currency exchange, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So just be cognizant of that. Great job. Let's give them all a big round of applause. Thank you, guys.